Hello guys and welcome back to another episode of Super Coach Mates. Well, round 17 is done and dusted. We're almost here at the finals. Um, I am joined by both Thomas and Jonas, who has returned back from the very warm weather in Bali. Um, I can safely assure you now it was very cold when he got off the plane. Um, so, as we always do, we're just going to quickly touch on how we went in round 17 and um, we'll give ourselves a good player and a, and a dud player. Um, I'll start off with you, Thomas. How did you go on the weekend? Uh, ended up scoring pretty well. Scored just checking it out. 24-29, which take pretty pretty comfortably. Okay. Um, this was with Neil as captain, so could have scored a lot better. Um yeah, he couldn't complain with much of the players. I thought I was in real shit when I saw Neil was on like 20 or something at like midway through the half, and I was like, oh, fuck, here we go. Um, but yeah, he kind of salvaged and just under 90. Yeah, Zach Merritt, uh, shout out to him, he did real well. Um, seems to have really flourished now without Parrish. Um, and just get so much pill, which is good. So he's he's comfortably in that top eight um, from here on in, I think. And, yeah, obviously a dud. Um, yeah, Lockie Neal as captain wasn't great. I mean, obviously it was a popular choice, um, but just goes to show that, you know, everyone said that um, most of, you know, VC, Oliver or whatever, scored 124, and they were like, everyone was like, oh, you know. Um, have to have, can't take it. Lockie Neal's average um, is real good against the Dons, and yeah, look, look where we went with that one. So yeah, even Rory Laird, um, who I know Jonas and Nathan captain, only outscored Oliver by point, um, even though he outscored him. Um, still, realistically, if you put it in perspective, wasn't worth the risk overall. But yeah, overall not too bad, and climbing up the ranks, which is nice, and kind of strung last three weeks together pretty well. So can't complain there. Yep, and uh, Jonas, um, how did you go on your round 17? Yeah, not too bad. Um, scored the 23.89, so, yeah, could have been slightly better. Had some pods who didn't fire, like uh, Isaac coming, but is what it is. Can't complain. Dodged the um, Neil captaincy, as Tom mentioned. As for good player of the week, I'd probably have to give that to Andy Brayshaw. Seems like he always gets underscored. That's what everyone keeps saying as well. But, I mean, a 132 is a somewhat pod. Um, can't really complain. Hopefully he can continue this out. I was a bit concerned maybe two months ago when I brought him in. He was scoring sub-hundreds here or there. But he seems to be a top eight mid from here on out as well. So hopefully he can continue that good form. How would you go, Nath? Yeah, well, unfortunately, I actually scored 23.88, which I thought was fantastic, and I've ended up being beaten by both of you, so uh, not really happy about that. But anyway, um, so the player of the week, I'm going to give mine to Tuke Miller, um, who, along with Raul and Anderson, pretty much got Gold Coast single-handedly over the line against Richmond. Um, 135. Um and the dud, um, Jack Crisp, I don't know what's happened to him. Um, ever since he's gone into his full-time midfield role, um, he just hadn't been scoring the same. Um, I think Nick Dacos might be taking a few of his points. Um, so, yeah, I'm, um, yeah, I'm hoping that Jack can lift 
as we move into the Super Coach Finals. Um, and I will also put Josh Dunkley now. I couldn't give it to him. I know I got a massive head knock early in the game. I think it was last week. So um, only the 62, but um, he does have a cop out there. Um, so um, we're just going to quickly touch on a few plays here. Obviously, um, we're right near the end, so there's probably not really going to be a lot of... Um, real things to discuss but something we've got to discuss i think and this is going to be potentially a make or break decision is the news that clayton oliver has broken his thumb and he's had surgery on it um which leaves him in doubt for this week um we're obviously recording this before the teams are named so we don't know if he's going to play or not um but He's $722,000, so he's the most expensive player in Supercoach. Um, number one player, number one midfielder. Um, if you, say, had two trades left, Jonas, would you be trading trading out Clayton Oliver? If you're going for rank, like if you're trying to get to top spot, I can make an argument for it. But he is the number one midfielder of this year so for a one-week injury i don't think i'd be advocating for that if you don't have any cover on the bench i can see why you then maybe try and get one of the other top mids but otherwise unless you've got at least four trades i'd say i wouldn't be sidewaysing oliver yeah are you the same boat here thomas yeah i mean two trades is real dicey um like, I'm four trades and probably not looking to trade him out. He's even a chance to play this weekend. So, I mean, obviously, we'd have a different conversation completely. If he plays, it just obviously means you don't trade. But, I um, mean, I could see merit in in trading him, um, especially as Jonas said, if you're playing for rank, if you can trade him down and then maybe use the cash because uh, obviously he's above 700k and he's so expensive. But say trade him down, um, and you've got all the other top eight mids, trade him down to say merit, um, whatever, and then use that money to to trade out a rookie, a non-performing rookie or non-playing rookie to say Dangerfield or whatever, a cheaper um, M9 F7 swing. It makes a real different play, and obviously you you're ahead 100 plus points. Um, this week if he misses but obviously you've got to keep in mind that if you do make that trade that's two trades down the bank and then if you want to get him back in you know it's another 100 200k they've kind of got a salvage from somewhere and obviously have to sacrifice someone else so yeah it makes it a bit complicated but I think um, say if you've got even the Richmond boys for example Rioli and Judson Clark a lot of players have those two Floating between the forward and mid, they're playing North Melbourne this week and um, could score, you know, a solid score that's justifiable for a bench score. So I wouldn't be too worried about, um, unless you've got zero cover, but I know, Nathan, you've got a bit of a different spin on things, potentially. Yeah, I do. So I think a lot of players are going to be in this play, and there might be someone else who we talk about in the Carlton game who falls into this bracket as well. So... I just see Clayton Oliver at 722k, and I go that 
like if you haven't got say Callum Mills who's popular this week, like that's 140k that you can save by trading in Callum Mills. If you've got say like a Heaney or even a Jaden Short, like if you can trade out Oliver down to Mills and then you've got 140k, like you can almost move a Short or a Crisp up to say Dawson if you haven't got him. Um, and I think it just frees up that much money that it can make your side better balanced across the rest of the field. Now, obviously, I'm in a different position here because I've got seven trades left and I'm pretty much finished. So I'm looking at this from my perspective and going that I can move on Oliver and get, say, Petrarca and save the you know, 150k, and then move short up to um, Dawson and just get the best backline possible. Now, realistically, I'm probably not going to do it. Um, but I will put a caveat on the Oliver's trade and say that if you're not trading in one of Laird, Miller, Neil, McRae, Brayshaw or Mills, so if you're trading out Oliver for one of those six, go ahead and do it. If you're looking at anyone else, I would probably be reluctant to do it. Um, just because those seven, as well as Oliver I've just named, are the seven highest averaging midfielders. And I know Roy Laird, I think, is the 12th highest midfielder, but you've got to remember he's played one less game. So, um, yeah, I sort of sit there with Oliver, Look, I think it would be really ballsy to get rid of him. And if you're playing for rank, you're top 100, you need the points, go ahead. But for everyone else, it could make or break your season by doing it. Um, that's all I'll say. Um, and I don't really think there's anyone else from this game to touch on. Um, I think everyone else there is sort of just going along very nicely. Um, so we'll move on to this um, Sydney and um, Bulldogs game, which was a bit of a massacre in the end. Um, someone I do want to talk about is Isaac Heaney, um, who I think all three of us have had in our side at some stage and have got rid of him. Um, can we trust Isaac Heaney on the field at this stage of the season, um, Thomas? Or would you say, try and move him to be your M9D, I mean, M9, F7 um, cover, which you could potentially do by trading at Oliver. Well, what do you think about that option? Um, yeah, I much prefer Heaney off your field than on your field. Um, he relies heavily on goals to score, which doesn't help his case. So you just look at his score, he had to kick four of them, plus, you know, 17 disposals and, you know, a fair few marks there. To get his 112, um, and half the reason for that playing out was they didn't have any small defenders to keep up with him. Um, they've only got basically Dale, who doesn't really do much one-on-one stuff. And then, yeah, as you can see, Ed Richards is there, and there's not much else because uh, Caleb Daniel's out for a while. Um, so that kind of correlated to, to how Heaney scored well. But, yeah, it's it's those ones that I guess if, you, if you're fighting for rank and um, – it's really ideal to try and get those players like in crisp shorts. Heaney's who are volatile to the 70s and 80s, and Heaney more so than the others. I mean, 
um, at least short and, and crisp can, can pump out closer to the 90, 90 average. Bahini can produce some real kind of stinkers, some 60s and 50s if he just doesn't convert. I mean, they play free on the weekend and, and that doesn't bode well. Um, for his scoring, I don't think so. Like small for, uh, small medium forward playing against, they've got a fair few lockdown defenders there, so it could be a bit of a problem for Heaney. Um, but yeah, I'd rather have him definitely as an M D. Like he'd be decent M F uh, M nine F seven swing, or if he's a mid eligible. If he's just forward eligible, I'm pretty sure he's only forward. Then no, it's mid forward. Oh, mid, yeah. So yeah, mid forward. Maybe a swing there could be worthwhile, but. If you're playing for overall and have him as F6, he's not the worst F6 in the world, but definitely would prefer him to, yeah, as a swing rather than on field. Yeah, and uh, we'll just move on to the Bulldogs real quickly. Um, so, obviously, in this game, uh, Ryan Clark went to Bailey Dale and pretty much tagged him out of the game. Only had 16 disposals, which I guess in hindsight, probably 76 isn't the worst score to only get from 16 disposals. Um, but with Caleb Daniel being out of the side, he's probably the one that they're going to go to a lot for um, their kickouts and their sort of rebound off halfback. So, um, Jonas, are you concerned that perhaps some the opposition that the Bulldogs place, they might send a defensive forward to Dale and sort of try and curb his influence given that Caleb Daniel's out? So he's pretty much just about the only option down there. Um, obviously, Dale's had a good year, uh, number fifth overall ranked defender. Um, what do you think about this potential problem here, um, Jonas? I think it makes sense for teams to try and lock down on a defender by using a tagger. And normally when there are two like damaging defenders, e.g. Sinclair and Hill or Dale and Daniel, it's hard to nail them both which sort of makes it pointless to lock down on one because it'll just let the other one off the leash. But because Daniel's out, I can definitely understand why there'd be a lot more attention placed on Dale. Still a pretty fine, durable option, so I wouldn't be concerned about him if you're an owner, but if you're looking at trading in a defender, I'd probably have him down the rankings a bit um, after this showing. Yep, I would say the same thing. Um, so moving on to this uh, Collingwood and um, North Melbourne game, which was a bit of a strange game in the end. <laughs> um, so obviously North Melbourne pretty much played for the whole day except for the last quarter. Um, so I'm going to throw this one to you, Jonas, since you're a Collingwood supporter. So... If, say, you've got Short and um, Jack Crisp, which I've got both of them, would it be the craziest idea in the world to trade back in Nick Dacos and use him as your D6 for the last few weeks? Could you do it, or do you think that that's out of this world? I think you've... You've missed the ship on trying to trade back in on Nick Dacos because he's over 500k. He is. I'd rather be trying to get up to someone more proven. I think on the weekend as well, towards the end of the game, he went forward a bit more, kicked that clutch goal, but I'm not sure if I can trust him as a premium 
the rest of the year because you've got Pendlebury down there um, who could be taking some kick-ins, and he's also competing with Crisp. So I'm unsure about um, how permanent his role is as that sort of seagull that we saw last week. I'm not sure he's going to be getting that each week. And for that reason, I wouldn't be paying 500k to to waste a trade on going from crisp or short up to Daco. So I'd rather be if I'm trading one of them, I'll definitely be short, and I'll be trading short up to someone more, like more proven, guaranteed top six, e.g. Dawson, Sinclair, Doherty, yeah, those types, or even waiting for Stewart for in a few weeks' time, who um who be at a good price. I think he's like 560k, which is very uh, yeah, he's 562. It's quite reasonable considering he's scored 174 and 161 in two of his past four games. So I'd be looking yeah, at that. There you go. Um, so we'll move on to North Melbourne now. So with the news today that David Noble has effectively resigned as North Melbourne coach. Um, so obviously we've still got five or six weeks left of the home and away season. And obviously when a new or when a caretaker coach comes in, they normally just let the players play. There's no real structure. We've seen that at GWS um, with obviously with Cornelio and, um, you know, these guys benefiting. Um, so Thomas, I, since I know you own this person, if someone was to go down injured in the forward line, say Lou Parker or someone like that, um, how highly do you think we should have a look at Todd Goldstein as being a forward, given that he's probably now going to go back to being North Melbourne's number one ruckman, um, given the fact that that's his proven position. Um, yeah. And he has done this before where he's just dominated at in the ruck. He pretty much would say probably slightly got the chocolates on Cameron and Cox. Um, so what do you think about Todd Goldstein <coughs> as being a potential sort of F6 if someone goes down injured in your forward line? Um, yeah, 100% a solid option now um, with the news that Sherry will miss the remainder of the season. So it leaves, um, what's his name, uh, Coleman Jones. And- Coleman Jones, yeah. Coleman Jones and Goldstein. I don't think Coleman Jones can solo ruck for the remainder of the year. Um, it was, yeah, it was a little bit uh, annoying that Coleman Jones started off in the first centre bounce um, against your mob on the Saturday Arvo, and I was like, oh, shit, here we go. Goldstein um, is going to be stuck forward all game. But, yeah, pretty much bar a couple starting centre bounces, Goldstein took the majority of the ruck and looked really solid. Um, and he's always known to have a bit of a goal threat as well up forward. He just seems to clunk them and, and kick pretty well. Like he scored two goals too. Could have easily been four goals as well um, against your mob. But, yeah, he's one that there's obviously news that Nankervis, and we'll get to that shortly, if Nankervis doesn't get up from that PCL injury um, next week, it leaves the door wide open for even Golder to be a VCC option because he's capable of scoring huge um, because... You know, North Melbourne's midfield isn't the worst going around. They've got David Zuniak and Jai Simkin. They can easily um, read Goldstein taps and we'll get tons of taps of taps of advantage if that's the case. If if Richmond don't have a ruck because they don't have um they won't have Ivan Soldo. Soldo. 
think, and Lynch is out. They've got basically the whole toll brigade, brigade is out. Um, and, yeah, if Nant comes up, I don't think he'll be 100% either, I'm, I'm sure. It's essentially a must-win game for Richmond, and they don't want, want to lose against North Melbourne um, as well. But, yeah, if Goldie comes up against no Ruckman, all of a sudden he becomes a real good option, and he just seems to like you got a couple of rucks in the comp that really struggle against you know you're negating ruckmans especially when you come up against the likes of nank or reese stanley there's always a bit of a problem but he seems to do pretty well against the premier ruckmans of the competition like there was a couple of years ago i think he played against gorn and they both scored 150 so he does pretty well against those big ruckmen i think he just gets around the ground pretty well and just is quite effective with his disposal um and can obviously kick a snag or two so yeah, he's definitely a good option. I mean, I'm pretty happy with what I've seen so far, bar that Geelong game where they got absolutely slaughtered. Um, and I think they'll be looking to bounce back strongly with the news of David Noble going. It seems that weird thing in football where the coach gets sacked in the week after they win the game and then everyone's saying, why the hell did you sack the coach for? Um, yeah. So, yeah, danger, big danger game for Richmond. So wouldn't be surprised if Goldie is a big one if, if Nate doesn't play. But, yeah, definitely a viable option. Like, it was always a risk with Sherry not playing. Uh, Sherry playing that they had to obviously share the ruck line. That was the reason why he was losing some of his points. But, yeah, Coleman Jones doesn't look cut out yet as a full-time ruckman and looks a bit more potent up forward. Um, yeah, Goldie's definitely a solid option if you're looking for a replacement or even a, a an F7 if you can afford it. Yeah, um, I think so. I think Goldstein's good value as well, um, if you're looking around. So moving on to this uh, Gold Coast uh, Richmond game, which I guess they said the miracle on grass a few years ago at the Gabba. Well, this was the miracle 100k down the road, um, with Gold Coast somehow coming from 40 points down and winning this game. Um, so um, I guess we've already touched a bit on James Short. Um, so I'm going to put a little bit of a left field option here. Um, I want to get your thoughts on this, Jonas. So, um, Daniel Rioli, who I think has probably replaced Short in that back line. Um, he's 129. I had a look at his last two games. He's gone 127, 100, yeah, 27, 129. Um, can... We sideways short to Rioli, which is pretty much his 8K swap. And can we use Rioli as D6 or even in the forward line? What do you think about that option? Uh, I don't like sidewaysing to such a speculative pick. I mean, you listed his past two scores, but you didn't go much further. Do you want to read <laughs> the third last? Yeah, well, okay, so... So we'll go off his last. We'll go off his last six just to make it fair. So he's 64, 88, 93, 78, 127, Yeah, uh, he's one I wouldn't be. Um, if you started him, that's a great selection because he's made you 150k. But and I think he start. Oh no, he started quite well. But he's one no. I wouldn't be trying to pick now. If you're low on trades. You shouldn't be sidewaysing short. And if you've got lots of trades, you should be upgrading short to someone of top six caliber. Yeah. That that was I I did say it was a bit of a speculative one there. So uh um right. Um I don't really think there's anyone else for this. Um obviously shame about Toby Nan Curvis going down. Um 
I think Goldstein's probably a good replacement for Nan Curvis. Um, if you have, yeah, 546, so you're actually saving 30k there, um, unless you want to go to Darcy or someone like that. Um, and I think I'd be thought, I think I'd be passing on Oaya. Um, I think he scored 36 last week. I don't think he scored much more against Collingwood. Mm-hmm. He scored 49. Um, I will just give it. But I mean, Roses goes out, so he's got decent job security, I suppose, for a bit. Yeah, and I will just give a shout-out to Paul Rosas, who, as you can see here, um, got minus eight on the weekend, which I think would have to be one of the lowest ever scores um, in Supercoach history, I guess. But anyway, um, moving on to this game here. So the St Kilda-Fremantle game, which um, was a bit of an all-right game at halftime, and then it just turned into a massacre after halftime. Um, so want to talk about, um, the Will, the sort of the Fremantle conundrum with Will Brody and, and whatnot. So, um, obviously Will Brody is still scoring and Fife's actually outscored him this week. So, um, I guess I'm going to throw this to you, Jonas. I know I don't want to bypass you, Thomas, too much, but unfortunately you haven't got Brody. So, um, anyway, um, so I was a little bit concerned at the start of the third quarter when Fife was in the midfield and Brayshaw and Sarong were with Fife and Brody was nowhere to be seen. I don't know where he ended up. Um, I guess this was always the problem with, Brody with five coming back in was what happened to Will Brody. Um, what are you gonna do with Will Brody, Jonas? Are you gonna keep him and uh, keep him and hope that he can just keep this going up? Um, or do you think that it, as Fife gets more match fitness back, perhaps it might start impacting Brody more than what it did? A little bit of a drive by there. I might add another drive by and speak about the result. St Kilda. <laughs> done question mark um but no anyway with Brody I'm not too concerned to be honest as you can see he had 29 touches his score is a bit perplexing because I mean 12 kicks two goals and 82% disposal efficiency he had five posts, but that does not scream an 88 to me that should be more like a 110-115. So I think I'm more concerned about the champion data scoring system, to be honest, because I don't understand how that that score is justified in yeah. a winning side as well. So, no, I'll be holding Brody. Hopefully he just gets a bit, bit of the rub of the green when it comes to the scoring. And... Um, I think, yeah, he's playing still decent amount of midfield minutes, played there fully in the first half. And, yeah, if you're, if you're getting the ball 29 times, I'm not too fussed. Yeah, I'm going to be doing the same. Um, but I know some people out there might have seen that and have a little bit of a question marks over that. But um, I'm going to get your thoughts straight away on this one, Thomas, since you're a St Kilda man. Um, so obviously Jack Steele, second game back now. Um, he's got, I think he's got 115 and 109. Mm-hmm. 
Um, if you're, say, you've got someone struggling, say, at M8, say you've got a Crips or you've got a, I don't know who else is in that sort of group, um, Boke, Tom Green, someone like that, um, could you go up to Jack Steele at 549k um, and um, can he be your number eight midfielder? Um, for the year, or do you think that perhaps it's better to play it safer and go up to like Walsh or someone like that? Well, what do you think here? Um, do you uh, think Steele's a good option? Yeah, Steele's definitely still a pretty good option. Um, just kind of gets it done week in, week out. He's pretty reliable, as you saw when we come to the West Coast Blues game, like Crips and Walsh, they started off pretty well, especially Walsh, who was on 40, I think, or close to 40 at quarter time, and then completely fell off a cliff himself and kind of limped his way to an 80, uh, just 80, 90 score, where he's still kind of just consistently gets done. That's just tackle pressure. Um, gets a lot of the scores from his tackling. And, yeah, obviously St Kilda haven't really done well since the bye, um, but he just seems to get it done week in, week out. And even with the potential tag, he just seems to work through it pretty well. Um, and obviously with our season right on the line and obviously finals been pretty questionable now or, or pretty unlikely, um, you'd expect that Steele would, um, you know, score pretty pretty well or, or try, you know, would reflect the super coach scoring based on his output considering he needs to really step up as captain of the footy club. But um, one disclaimer I'd say with the St Kilda players is I just saw before we got on air that, I don't know when, I think it was released on Sunday or Monday, so I don't know how much this will affect coming into the Friday night game against the Dogs, but apparently the, the Saints players were sent out a text um, to be careful about the COVID situation. Um, I don't know if it was oh, precaution, read much into it, or their worries that it'll oh, spread. Uh, but we all know what happened with the Lions. Um, yes. And basically their entire team decimated and I fingers crossed it's not the case with security because if we do that, we're going to get absolutely mauled on the weekend. And, you know, if Steel's out with COVID, then good night. There's no point watching that game. Um, <laughs> and Sinclair. Yeah, so yeah. fingers crossed Sinclair and Steel put their masks on there are fine. But, yeah, I mean, hopefully there hasn't been much more news on it. So hopefully it was more of a precaution and, and making sure they don't lose uh, their top liners. But there is a bit of a case in point if you have Steele and Sinclair, um, which you know, a fair few players do, just to be on the lookout for any news updates um, if they get struck down by COVID last minute. Yeah. yeah, just very, very quickly, just a one-word answer here. Can you trade out Oliver for Jack Steele, Thomas? No, it's... No. no. <laughs> I said one word. I said one word. Yeah, no. Jonas? Oh. I need more context. Depends how many trades you have. If you're low on trades, no. If you've got enough trades, yes. In your in your position, would could you do it? No. Like Not just put put the trades out the window. In, no. in your position, could you do it? No. No. Okay. I'm a no as well. I don't think I could. Um. So moving on to the Port Adelaide uh Giants game, which was a bit of a massacre here. Um. So. We're probably not really looking at rookies, but um, Jace Burgoyne is on the bubble this week. His break-even, I think, is minus 63. He's a defender midfielder. Um, 
surely we're not bringing in Burgoyne this week, Jonas. Uh, I don't mind the pick because he's, he's got defender mid status. So if you can bring him into the midfield, it could be a really good um, move because he can cover Hewitt, he can cover Sinclair... And a few other mid short, uh, short Dawson. Yeah, so if you're looking at it like that, I don't mind it. And if you need cover for Oliver, um, you can either go Bergwijn or there's one other option. Doesn't come to me at the moment, but yeah, well, I've got Mountford in that position. Wait one second. Lowest price. There was one other pick. You. Maybe Josh Carmichael at 102k. I think that's the one. With uh, Dugowie out for a few more weeks, he should hold his spot. But I think um, Bergwijn's DPP makes him a really appealing choice. So there's one I don't mind, actually, um, especially if you're depleted on the bench. Yep. I perhaps have – you've perhaps changed my opinion on that. Um, I'm not going to lie there. Um, so – um, I guess I'm going to put this one to you, Thomas. Um, so Toby Green, so we spoke about Isaac Heaney as being a potential sort of M9, F7 option. Um, could Toby Green be in, in a similar boat here? Or do you think there's perhaps someone better at that role? Oh, probably uh, probably not Green. I'd say Taranto is probably the better option out of, the, out of those two. If you're looking for an M9, F7, um, Green, you're obviously relying on a big game, you know, at least three, four goals, um, like he does on occasions. But, yeah, I'd much rather Taranto. He seems to have done a lot better since Leon Cameron days, um, playing a bit more through the midfield and, yeah, shows his scoring's improved a little bit. And, um, yeah, much safer bet in comparison to, say, Toby Green. Yeah, I think so as well. So moving on to this uh, compromised Essendon v pretty much a Brisbane VFL side, pretty much. Um, so obviously, I guess the probably the big talking point out of this is um, the tagging job that Caldwell did on Locking Neal um, and pretty much starved all of Brisbane's uh, I guess clearance dominance. I think Essendon scored six goals too for like two points or something like that from Santa Clara. And so it's just a mauling in there. Um, so I guess if this COVID situation hits Brisbane for a second week in a row, um, what can we do with Lockie Neal? Um, because he's probably going to be the only midfielder left, um, potentially. It, although if he gets it as well, then he'll be out. So what do you think, Jonas, about Lockie Neal? Um... I'm not too concerned. Like, yeah, he's copying. He's been copying attention week in week out, but he's a premier midfielder of the competition, so I wouldn't be trading. Obviously, he may have COVID, given the fact that it's sort of spread through the club, but spread like wildfire. Yeah, until we hear news that he's out, I won't be touching the trade button. Even if he does have COVID, I probably still won't be, unless I'm copying a zero. Yeah. Um, what about Zach Merritt? Um, Thomas, can we put Zach Merritt in the same camp as uh, 
as Jack Steele, someone who we could potentially look at bringing in, although he's a little bit more expensive than uh, Steele, or do you think you've kind of missed the boat now on Zach Merritt, given that he was like 490k a few weeks ago? Oh, he's definitely still a viable option, um, especially we parish out for most, like at least four weeks and could well be for the rest of the season if they decide to rest him up. Um, yeah, just dominated obviously against the decimated Brisbane midfield, so didn't, uh, Brisbane team, so didn't really help and didn't really give a clear indication. But yeah, he's almost the best kick in that side. Um, and when he uses the ball well, he just accumulates the ball so well. And um, you know, it could be could be liable to a tag in, in the near future. But um, you know, they've done the case where it seems like when Parrish was in the side, when they had the full complement of their midfield, Merritt was playing off half back a lot of the time as well. So. He's got different avenues to his scoring, which is nice to see. And, and yeah, he's definitely an option in that steel category. Um, and, yeah, there's just more points to go around for him that with that parish is not there. Yeah, so moving on to this uh, Hawthorne-Adelaide game, which was probably a bit of a small fest, to be honest. Um, I will give a shout-out here. This one probably hurts Jonas a little bit. So Dylan Moore has a star here, um, <laughs> which for those of you that don't know, I'm fan footy. Um, star means sort of the best player or, or the player who's judged as being the best player on the field. Um, but someone who has been on a bit of a tear of late and sort of had a little bit of a down game is uh, Jordan Dawson, who only managed 80. Um, so obviously he's 620k. Um, he's probably going to come down a lot given his break even um could we potentially be in a situation here with Dawson as in Clayton Oliver in that because he is so much more expensive than the next price defender could we potentially trade out Dawson for say a Houston and bank the 100k and upgrade say a I don't know say a Tom Green to a Keller Mills. Um, what do you think about that move? I'm not going to throw. I'm going to throw this one to you, Thomas, because Jonas will just laugh this one out of town. I reckon, given that he's been the number one member of the Jordan Dawson fan club all year. Um, so, what do you think about that, Thomas? Um, yeah, probably not. It'd be silly too. I think. Because you're not saving as much money as a Clary. If, if Jordan Dawes was 700k, I'd entertain that move a lot more because defenders seem to score pretty similarly. Obviously, Dawson's been on a tear for the last couple of weeks. Um, but yeah, I wouldn't be too concerned with his 80. Like Finn McGuinness was wearing him like a glove, unfortunately, which really didn't help. And McGuinness has got a huge tank um, from what I've heard in the, in the Hawthorne kind of. Hawthorne kind of fan base, so he, he can run all day with Dawson, which really didn't help Dawson's case because obviously Dawson's so reliant on getting free and getting that um, extra ball to kick out long. So, yeah, it's one of those situations where, as I said before, and if you were 700k and then you're looking at trading down to a 500k like a Stewart and you don't have Stewart and you've got everyone else, then, you know, you can entertain that move because all of a sudden that brings out 200k and then you can um, – upgrade a, a Jacob Ware or a D'Ambrosio or whatever up to another defender and you've got, you know, an, a, D, a, D, a solid D7. Um, but, yeah, I wouldn't be entertaining that move just because 
it just seems silly if you if you're doing that. You're just sidewaysing through with defenders. They they kind of seem to score all similarly anyway. Colin Jones, I know you want to say something, Colin. Oh no, Dawson is D one almost, so wouldn't be true. Oh, he is. Yeah, he's D one. I think. Oh no, I think it's D three, but I think he's missed a couple of games. Um, so moving on to the last game here. So, um, I guess probably the biggest talking point here is what do we do with Cripps and Walsh? So Cripps only the ninety two and Sam Walsh eighty eight. Um. Given the fact that I think Crips is only 519k, I don't think there's probably much other than going to, say, Jack Steele. But what about Sam Walsh? So he's 590k. Um, I think this is now a second week in a row where he's gone sub-100. And um, obviously, he, oh, no, he went 115 a week before. Um, so obviously, I think I said this a few weeks ago that Champion Data Flag is one of the most inconsistent players, which might surprise a lot of people. And that's just because of the way that he uses the ball by foot, especially in games where they win. There's a big discrepancy in his disposal efficiency when Carlton win versus when Carlton lose. So given that, what do you think we should do with Sam Walsh, Jonas? What do you think? Is this is just a case of holding him and hope that he can just have a really good six weeks, um, or do you worry about his disposal that much? That perhaps it's time to move him on to say a Mills, who's actually cheaper than him. What, what do you think? Uh, I think I'll speak on behalf of Tom as well because I, I reckon he'll share the same opinion. I wouldn't be concerned at all if you have Walsh and I wouldn't blame you if you were looking to trade him in <clears throat> over a Mills because he doesn't have any um, durability concerns at the moment. I think it was just one of those poor sort of gains from him um, and I can see him running out the year well. I think the only concern was Chera did quite well that game, so I assume he, he took some points away from him. And then with Cripps... I'd definitely be opting to trade out of Crips if I had the trades because he just doesn't look the player he was at the start of the year. He's not really getting on, on the end of goals. And apart from that fourth quarter in which he looked back to his usual um, 2022 first half of the season self, he looked so slow and didn't really look like a premium midfielder. So, uh, yeah, I have my... Serious doubts about Cripps, and this hasn't been a once-off. He's now done this um, for multiple games, and he's done this before through previous seasons. So he's one I desperately want to get out of because I don't think he's um, going to even average 105 from here on out to the rest of the season. So if you can get out of the pick, I would, because I think that Carlton have a pretty tough draw coming up, and Mills... Mills's draw is quite favourable, but I wouldn't be going Walsh to Mills, only Cripps. Yeah, I would probably share that same sentiment as well. And I did Thomas did uh, Thomas did Jonas answer your thing pretty much exactly? Yeah, pretty much. I wouldn't yeah. I wouldn't trade out Walsh. It'd be silly because Walsh can accumulate quite quickly. I mean, he just had a down game like West Coast. 
basically just dominated in the midfield in that second and third quarter to come back to where they were and they scored quite quickly and heavily and and when Walsh dominated in the last quarter the game was already gone for West Coast so he basically um, junked up big time so yeah I wouldn't be um, trading him out every midfield is prone to that um, that situation as as Jonas rightly said I think Cripps is the one you should be a little bit worried about that first three quarters he really looked not great um just wasn't moving around as best as he could you know perhaps when Pitney comes back in the next couple of weeks it could help Cripps a fair bit just because he had to advantage might rise up significantly I think Pitney's up there in the competition with one of the best hit out advantage ratios um compared to Conning so that could help him a fair bit because he gets he's basically the first one to the ball to dish it out but with Connie over the last, you know, six, seven weeks, it's been a bit difficult for him to do that, but hasn't just looked like himself in the first four or five weeks. And that's been the case every season with the Crips. He just seems he kind of fizzles out a little bit. But it was nice to see him completely tear up that fourth quarter to basically score, you know, 40, 50 points to score a 90-odd, um, which we know he's capable of doing. And I think um, if you've got the trades towards Supercoach finals, that's when you'd be looking at probably ship him off. Or if you've got trades now... Like you have Nathan with seven, it could be worth looking at moving him on quite quickly to a Mills who's got a pretty soft draw coming up or a steal. You know, those types that you can consistently get a 100 from quite comfortably. Yeah, see, I actually have a bit of a different opinion on Crips. Um, so I think exactly the same boat here as Oliver. If you haven't got one of those six midfielders I named for Oliver, then I think you can safely trade Crips out to one of those six, Oliver, Laird, you know, Brayshaw. If you've already got those seven, I reckon he's almost worth keeping because he is someone who can tear a game apart by himself. And if he pulls out a 150 or 140, you want to be a part of that. So, um, I don't know. I get the feeling that this might be a bit of a statement game for him on Saturday night. Big game, top four on the line for Carlton. Um, I'm not saying Carlton are going to win. I probably don't think they're going to win. But I think on a personal level, I think Cripps might just want to remind a few people that he's not done this season yet. Um, So we'll quickly just touch on some... Vice-captain or captain options, um, we probably haven't really thought much of this. Um, but just looking at these games here quickly, Jonas, um, why are you sort of leaning towards a captain, vice-captain? Um, the, the easy one for me is Laird. Um, Collingwood seemed to leave points to midfield, as we saw LDU last week. On top of <coughs> that, Adams won't be playing, so... That's one of our midfielders out. Dugowie's out. Dugowie's out. Um, Cameron seems to be tiring in the rock. He he salvaged his score with three goals, but I think we're, we're really uh, desperate to get Grundy back. So without those three, I can see um, quite a favourable matchup for, for Laird because he's going to be going up against the likes of Jamie Elliott, Crisp, Nick Dacos, Pendlebury, who aren't exactly um, negating sort of midfielders. So you should have a day out. And I expect yeah. Adelaide to almost win this game, given the fact that, um, yeah, midfield is a bit decimated and 
they've got the three-pronged forward line. So I can see Laird getting on the end of a few scoring chains and scoring 130-plus pretty easily. Yeah, um, a captain or is that your, is he your captain lead or is that your vice captain? He would be, but there's no one in the Friday night game that takes my fancy, so I'm just going to vice captain him and 95% sure almost that I'll be able to then take that score and just use the Tickle Darcy loophole. Otherwise, yeah. I'm probably going to fall back on um, Tuke Miller. Although he yeah. plays Colwell, but I think Colwell won't be able to keep up with his running, I don't I don't think. What about you, Thomas? Who are you leaning towards with your vice captain captain? Um yeah, same sentiment as Jonas. Pretty easy VCC and lead. I think he'll be comfortably get one twenty, one thirty, regardless of how the scoreline goes. Um I think I'm either going to Oh, what is it? Probably either going to VC if if goal if Goldie ends up playing Ankervis, then probably VCing a Bonson Pelly or, or someone on a Friday night. Um, probably won't take it unless they go 150. Even a McRae against St Kilda um, could do okay. Um, and then yeah, Captain Laird, but probably VC Laird into an, into a Goldie if that's the case. If Nank doesn't get up, um, just a bit of a pod captaincy option. If Laird goes 100 perhaps and you know gets a bit slow and slow down the office for the Adelaide boys but yeah um that's where I'm looking at at the moment yeah fullback option I think break glass I'd say took me the last game of the round I think should still get a respectable score even though Caldwell seems to be in that tagger role after he did such a good job against Neil yeah well I'll be boring here and say that I actually I have already put it on Roy Laird um <laughs> I, I actually agree 100% with what you said, John. So I think that Adelaide should probably just about be favourites for this game. And um, I think Adelaide probably should be winning this game, given that it's, that it's at home and Collingwood don't have the best midfield in the, in the world at the minute. Um, and I think my captain option will be Sean Darcy against Sydney. I reckon that Fremantle might beat up Sydney around the midfield. Um, and I reckon that Sean Darcy might be able to get a lot of hitouts to advantage rucking against uh, Laddams or um, I don't know who else they're rucking with. Laddams so, won't play, but Hickey might. If Hickey uh, okay. plays, I'd, I'd see that being a pretty good ruck duel, to be fair. So, yeah, I think I think if Darcy can break even, I think he might get enough hitouts to advantage against Hickey. Um, given that I think Sydney's probably weakness is in that sort of the contest, um, whereas I think it's the strength of Fremantle. So, um, yeah, I think that's probably where I'll lean towards doing yeah. landing Sean Darcy. Sounds good. Um, yeah, hopefully everyone gets a half-decent score coming this week and hopefully there's no Brisbane-esque uh, COVID laid out situation that could well be the situation leading up into Supercoach finals. Um, Goodness me. Players could be going down, which could be a nasty, nasty shock to a few systems come team announcements. But yeah, hopefully everyone has a decent week out on the track um, and consistently gets those 2500 uh, 2400s, 2400s. That seems to be the norm now, which has been nice to see. And, and, and hopefully if you're fighting for rank, um, you can push forward and, and get ahead, or if it's cash legs and 
trying to get um, into that illustrious top four and get a double chance into Supercoach finals. But until then, um, hope you have a good week and then we'll catch you next round for um, another round of footy. Thanks, guys.